0: the michael dukes show streaming live across the
3: world across the world on the interwebs uh, and uh, then across the state of alaska on this your favorite radio station and or translator it is the michael dukes show thank you so much for coming in and joining us this morning just another beautiful day here in paradise and we are uh, we're ready to go. We're ready, 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 Teddy. Ready and steady. Uh, hump Day. Hump Day headlines and discussions. Now, normally on Wednesdays, we are joined by State Senator Mike Shower, But uh, he's not going to be joining us this morning. He's going to be, he's traveling this morning. So we're not going to be uh, graced with his company today. Instead, we are going to go over. Well, a bunch of the headlines, and um, I'll be honest with you, you know, the last uh, the last three or four weeks we've been doing uh, more and more of these kind of open line shows where I dissect some of the uh, news of the day and talk about it from my perspective and put my thoughts to it, and then we are joined by you as well to discuss it, and we've heard from a lot of new callers here uh, in the last—well, uh, especially in the last uh, two, two weeks, three weeks— And I seriously enjoy that. I find that to be most refreshing. And so we're going to uh, be pushing on that here this morning as well. We've got a lot of uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about. Um, And so pardon me as I gather my thoughts here and uh, and get things ready. I've kind of got some of the stories that I want to lay out there and talk about. And uh, we're going to uh, we're going to dive down into that. And uh, give you some headlines And so we're going to talk a little bit about this, um, this thing that I'm seeing more and more these days Which is this, uh, you know, this kind of this ideology where we go hat in hand to Uncle Sam um, Who we all affectionately know around here as Uncle Sugar And just say, you know, please sir, may I have another Uh, you know, this begging that we seem to be doing. And again, this goes back to um, the old adage that the government that's large enough to give you everything is the same government that's large enough to take everything away from you. And I think we're, uh, I think we've rapidly reached that point uh, in our society, and it's become normalized, quite honestly. And so I want to talk a little bit uh about that this handout mentality that is um well it's not just handout it's um well i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to jump the gun on that we're going to talk about that as well we're also going to talk about some of the new k-12 programs that are up in the alaska legislature right now the senate yesterday passed their new um uh, their new education bill, which includes that component that um, uh, Shelley Hughes has been on the program to talk about in the past, that new read by nine program. And so we're going to uh, we're going to see that as well. And we will uh, we'll be talking about that here in just a few moments. Um, and uh, what else have I got here? Oh, we'll talk a little bit about inflation. We're going to talk about this. I'm sure you probably saw this on Facebook. I mean, I'm not on Facebook very much, and even I saw it. This um, this uh, Alaska Association of Basketball Coaches um, liability waiver. Did you see this? Um, did you see? Did you see this form? Um, that you know, I don't know who wrote this form. Uh, I I'm assuming that it was somebody who is not a parent, uh, originally authored this form. And, uh, it took, uh, it took social media by storm and it created quite a fervor. Um, the irony of the whole situation is apparently this is the same form that's been going around for several years and it's been used until somebody, s- till somebody took a stand, until somebody maybe actually read the damn thing and then said, what? Um, anyway, we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to talk about that as well. Um, the Rodell firing. We'll give you some updates on that. Um, oh, here was an interesting story. Uh, so I guess we'll start here because this is this to me was a very interesting story. Um, first and foremost, uh, Nat Hurst over the uh, at the ADN and Alaska Public Media, he wrote this article the other day, and I actually brought it up, and I was going to discuss it on Monday, but I didn't, didn't get to it. And, um, it's got some interesting, it's got some interesting stuff in it. And I, uh, I, I want to talk about it. It is a story entitled dozens of Alaskan government officials have outside jobs. Here's what they do and how much they make. That's the title of the story. And it basically goes into the, um, into the official filings, income filings, for legislators, board and commission appointees, judges, and high-ranking executive branch officials, that's part of the requirement in doing that is they've got to file these, they've got to file these forms with APOC to tell you know the public where they get their money and uh, what their streams of incomes are, and some of it is kind of benign, some of it is. Um, um, you know, some of it is kind of eyebrow raising. Uh, and some of it is just downright wow. Okay. Um, so I, I just wanted to go through a few of these with you. And it, I mean, again, I may comment on them, but more than anything else, I just think that it's interesting to see what happens and how some of this stuff is um um a little eyebrow raise. Here's the one that got me. This is one of the ones that just jumped right out. Not only is it at the top of the page uh, of this news story, but it it raised for me. It made me go, you know, because when you're when you're in the public eye, um, even the appearance of impropriety can be as devastating as actual impropriety, right? I mean, we're, that's just kind of how it works. So there's a whole bunch of different ones on here, but the first one um, was Jeremy Price, who's the chairman of the Alaska Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, which is charged with preventing waste and otherwise regulating Alaska's oil industry, reported that oil company Hillcorp paid for his entry into a charity golf tournament last year worth between $250 and $1,000. Now, That that's what they do with this. There's ranges, right? They don't, they don't have to say exactly how much money they received or were given or were gifted or whatever. It's always a range. Um, so we don't know if the entry fee to the charity golf tournament was $250 or $999. We have no idea, but here's a guy that is the chairman of the, of, uh, the, uh, the Alaska oil and gas conservation commission. And he accepts a, um, Uh, He accepts a gift, essentially, um, that paid for his entry into a charity golf tournament. Now, in a prepared statement that he said that he sought out and received ethics approval before participating, but now plans to donate the full value of his participation to the scholarship fund that the tournament benefits. Okay, so it sounds to me and, and again, I I've I've talked to Jeremy Price in the past. I think he's a good guy. Don't get me wrong. But. Again, even the appearance of impropriety in what this looks like is, oh, I had to report it and I got dinged. And now I'm going to donate the full value of what I got paid to some of the scholarly. Why? Why just why not even why? Why? Why would you do that? Why would you? But don't worry. He's going to donate the full value of his participation to the scholarship fund that the tournament benefits. Um, there are some other ones. A PFD Corp top investment officer collected forty to a hundred thousand dollars in fees working for another firm as well. Um, Dave Donnelly, the deputy commissioner of the Department of Administration, reported making twenty to fifty thousand dollars working for a law firm in Anchorage, and also twenty to fifty in his income as a member of the school board. No big surprise there. Um, the some of the board of fish members. Made income on the sale of stock options and things like that. Um, Bethel Democratic Senator Lyman Hoffman reported two hundred to five hundred thousand. Remember, these are ranges. You don't know it because that's what's on the form. He reported two hundred to five hundred thousand dollars in income from a woman named Heather Fonseca on his disclosure, but he didn't say what he did to earn the money. It's just income. It's just, uh, it's just income. Um, just a jig. Oh, never mind. Uh Kim Koval, uh, who works for the uh, governor, Mike Dunleavy. She's a friend of mine. Earned uh some money on selling stuff on Etsy, <laughs> $10,000 tw- ten to twenty thousand dollars. She got a side hustle. Good for her. Uh, Democrat uh, Representative uh, Jonathan Christ Tompkins reported between 100000 and 200000 in income from a consulting job working on, quote, climate tech, economic development, and federal policy for a place called The Boardroom, an Anchorage-based co-working business. I mean, it's good it's, – it's, it's good – it's good money if you can. Uh, it's good money if you can get it. I guess this list, by the way, I'm post. I'll post the. Uh, I'll post the uh, link in the chat room. You can go read this story. I'm not reading every one of them, but there's a lot of them in there. Um, let's see. Um, one of the guys went out and worked for the uh, uh, for the Anchorage Health Department while working for the governor. Anchorage Democrat Chris, uh, Chris Talk reported between five hundred thousand and a million dollars in income. From working for construction, uh, uh, working construction for STG Inc., which is a subsidiary of Calista, um, the, some of, some of these are really funny though. Uh, Administration Commissioner Paula Vrana reported a thousand to two thousand dollars in income from the sale of livestock. She sold her some cows, or horses, or whatever. <laughs> What was the other one? Uh, the other one was a, a judge. Alaska Supreme Court Justice Dario Borgenson collected between two dollars and $5,000 from the sale of a used car. I mean, they got to put everything on these forms, right? Um, uh, ben uh, Ben Carpenter generates between twenty dollars and $50,000 in income from his uh, peony farm. Um, <clears throat> uh, Joey Merrick, who's Kelly Merrick's husband, Received ten dollars to $20,000 in income from renting his car on Turo, which is like Airbnb for cars, right? It's like a, a, a gig app for sharing your car. Um, uh, oh, what was that? Charlie Collins, um, um, who earns more than $100,000 a year Is the director of the Division of Workers' Compensation, had between twenty dollars and $50,000 in income last year from a Juno-based housing company where he works as a part-time project manager. Anyway, there's there's some interesting numbers in here, but I just I have to look at some of these. And I mean, the first one, five hundred to a million dollars, five hundred thousand to a million dollars for Chris Tuck for working. And that's on top, of course, of his legislative pay and per diem and everything else. And and that thing with Jeremy Price at the beginning. Why? Why would you do that? You know, all eyes are going to be on you. You know, you're under scrutiny. You know, you have to file for. Uh, you know you have to file for office or uh, file for income when you're, when you're doing that kind of stuff. Why? Why would you do that? It just makes no sense. Anyway, uh, I posted the link up in the chat room if you want to go to Facebook and find it at facebook.com slash Show, You can join us in the chat room there as well and have discussions on that. We're simulcasting on Facebook and Twitch today, still on my one-week ban on YouTube from talking with David Codrea last week. Still no joy. Still have had no response from YouTube on my appeal um, for the discussion with David Kodria last week where he referenced Dr. John Lott's peer reviewed study uh, about uh, the uh, about the uh, uh, election results in 2020. I mean, even talking about it. I mean, I'm afraid to even say 2020 elections in one sentence because maybe YouTube will drop the hammer on me as well. I mean, who knows at this point? I don't care whatever so anyway we're we're we had got a one week ban on youtube for that uh so we can't simulcast a radio show on youtube so we just have to do it the old-fashioned way we just do it on facebook i mean we just do it on the radio so just (laughs) all right so anyway i thought that was an interesting story to start the show off with this morning uh but we got more we got more we're going to talk a little bit about this um Again, this kind of uh, handout mentality that we're seeing, uh, uh, really around, around everywhere. But this story in the ADN uh, from yesterday, Iris Samuels, kind of summates the whole thing really, really well. And we're gonna uh, we're gonna discuss that up next. So, don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio we'll return and I guess what will before I leave the thing for the we'll open up the phone lines. How about that? The Pivotel call-in line is now open at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Back with more right after this.
0: If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
3: Okay. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's just like there's there's a lot of money in there. Half a million to a million bucks Anthony says he finds it slightly disturbing That there's a half a million dollar discrepancy to play with You know, that it couldn't be like 500 to K to 700 K Or 700 K to a million Or, you know, that it's this huge You know, because there's a big difference Between $500,000 and a million dollars, right? I mean, that's pretty That's pretty That's pretty apparent That there's some real Real differences in there Uh um, what else? Uh, somebody said something about the Palmer. Somebody else said something about the Palmer, um, um, city council meeting last night. Uh, oh, Richard's in the chat room. Did anyone catch watch Palmer city council? Was that a drunken councilman or a nervous breakdown? His unicorn soft heart didn't realize that people were going to not like him and maybe say bad things, including others that collude with him. <laughs> I didn't catch that last night, uh, Richard. You'll have to you'll have to break it down for us. Someone, you know, um, somebody went uh, to the trim shop. Shelley put her magic on your Um, okay. I don't know what that means, but uh, we'll see. Um, you know, YouTube is looking for any excuse, Sandy. It's true. I mean, I am exploring other opportunities and other options. I know Rumble's out there, and there's a couple other ones. I've been looking around at it. Um, But, again, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to – it doesn't mean that I'm uh, going to stop trying to broadcast uh, through as many channels as possible. Because, as I said yesterday, I'm not just going to abandon a channel uh, or, a a, you know, a channel of – I'm not just going to abandon one of the socials just because they – May not like me, because again I'm trying to reach the broadest audience uh, uh, possible. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. My dad's in there. Hey, dad. Um, Rumble has a weird interfo- interface. Good platform, bad UI. Um. <clears throat> Y'all take the time. Folks in the room said you. Um, all right. Uh, so anyway, we're going to uh, dive into that uh, discussion of um, the, uh, the handout approach and the transformational infrastructure bill funding. That's <laughs> transformation. I mean, it's transforming. All right. It's transforming us. Um, it's a, it's a thing, but if I can't see, well, here's the thing, Paul, I'm never going to edit what I say. So I'll just remain on a platform until they kick me off. And then I'll have other platforms that I'll just, you know what I mean? I could just keep going on there and, and just still saying I'm not going to modify what I talk about. I'm going to still talk about the same things. I'm going to still have the same beliefs unless, you know, something that I'm saying is proven untrue. I'm still going to have guests that are going to say things that I don't agree with. Um, and that's the irony of this, is that David Codray was talking about some stuff in regards to the election in the 2020s, and really, but he was really, he didn't even really go into it. It was just a reference to John Lott's study that he got on a peer-reviewed publication, that it got published by a peer-reviewed journal, that really we didn't really even get into the details of it too much. But uh, I'm not going to stop saying what I'm saying. That's the difference. It's not like I'm going to modify myself so that I can remain within YouTube's good graces. I'm just going to do what I do. And if they feel like they want to kick me to the curb, hallelujah. That's just the way it is. We'll always have another It's just like we did with Facebook. That's how we ended up on YouTube to begin with. Um, All right. So we are 30 seconds out right now. And if you would like to sound off, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Go ahead and uh, um, uh, drop us something in the chat room there. Or feel free to give us a call uh, on the uh, call-in line at 433-3150. But like and share, like and share, and uh, like and follow the show pages. That's all we have to do. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's do it. Here we go. Okay. All right, you guys all ready? So, uh, well, I guess I should check the phone lines. Phone lines are open. Okay. All right, so we got no lines on hold. The Pivotel call-in lines are open today, and I would encourage you, especially if you're a new caller and you've never called the show before and you hear something that, you know, piques your interest or something you want to comment on, feel free to give us a call and we'd love to uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, Feel free to just ring us up at 907-433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line. All right. So here's the main thrust of what I wanted to talk about today. And um, the more I read this story, um, kind of the more agitated I became at the – well, I guess it's the underlying premise. It's the underlying um, – I don't even know, I don't even know the word to, I'm, you know, I'm at a loss for my words this morning, but kind of the underlying theme of what this story says and, and what it talks about. So this is a story in the ADN written by Iris Samuels, and it talks about this uh, symposium that uh, was put on, now featured prominently in the uh, pictures and in the, uh, and in the first, you know, paragraph of the story and everything else, is of course Senator Lisa Murkowski, who is—I uh, don't know if you heard—she's running for re-election, and so been a lot of stories about her lately from the ADN. I don't know who they're supporting, but you know, there's been a lot of stories. So the title of the uh, story is uh, "At Symposium, Alaska's Communities Pursue Their Share of Transformational Infrastructure Bill Funding." Uh, goes on to say the federal infrastructure bill signed last year could transform Alaska similar to how the Trans-Alaska pipeline did more than 40 years ago, according to Alaska leaders. But that's possible only if local leaders capitalize on myriad funding opportunities available through the bill, said Senator Lisa Murkowski on Monday during the symposium, <clears throat> Excuse me, which was organized by her office. Well over 1,000 people, including state lawmakers, mayors, and tribal leaders, attended a first-of-its-kind symposium that brought federal agency representatives to Alaska to help local leaders navigate the mammoth bill that promises billions of dollars to the state through competitive grants. Now, as you look at this, I mean, first of all, um, I, 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 just, I, just, I just want to pick through this first and foremost. The fact that they compare this, how it could transform Alaska similar to how the Trans-Alaska Pipeline did more than 40 years ago, um, I would point out that there were, you're looking really at two different critters. One is nothing more than government spending, and in fact, government spending out of thin air. It is money that is quantitatively eased into the bank account, right? I mean, there's not, you know, whereas previously and historically- It was private investment and private business in Alaska that was doing most of that work. I mean, that money was being invested by corporations who were creating something and creating those jobs and moving things on and developing that wealth. Instead of money just being plucked out of thin air that then is going to be fought over and struggled over by our leaders, state lawmakers, mayors, tribal leaders. They need to navigate the mammoth bill that promises billions of dollars in the states through competitive grants. And what it sounds like is this is a get-together meeting to, to strategize how do we best go to the federal government and beg them for our money, right? That's essentially what's going on. The potential transformation promised by the bill through hundreds of projects and thousands of new jobs hinges on hard work by local governments, tribes, and nonprofit organizations that must apply for grants to fund the projects, and that means they're competing against communities in the lower 48 and other parts of the state. So we've now got to go hat in hand to the federal government, and the government is going to pick winners and losers on all of these things. Money that has been basically taxed from us or created out of nothing through you know, inflationary-causing measures to then give back to us, and we have to go hat in hand to beg for that. Applying for some of the grants requires mastering complicated guidelines and rules, some of which have not been released by the federal government agencies that govern the funding. Some of them probably haven't even been written yet. I mean, isn't that the, isn't that the classic government case? Well, you've got to follow all the regulations, but we're not done writing them yet, so just stand by. But, but this mindset of a thousand people showed up. To figure out how do we how do we best, uh, you know, how to our best effect do we beg the federal government for the money that we that we want and need and deserve. And Lisa smiles and says, "I helped put this together for you, so let me let me show you how to navigate the bumpy waters of begging Uncle Sam for your hard-earned dollars back that you turned in through taxes." That will. And I know there's a whole argument about how Alaska takes more money in uh, than it ever it ha- exports through, you know, federal taxes and everything. But I mean, the whole point is, why can't we why, why can't we just keep our own money and do our own thing? I mean, that's just I mean, wh- why is it? Because, as Donna says in the chat room, that government's basic function is redistribution of your money. All the while taking a little taste along the way to bolster and to prove that they are needed. Is that really what it's is that really what it's all about? But a thousand people spent an entire day figuring out how to go back to Uncle Sugar and say, Please, sir,
0: may I have some more?
3: Right? That's what they did. And this is the problem. We've got a generational issue here where people go to schools and they're taught in school, in the public schools, effectively they are taught, if there's a problem, you need to look to government for the solution that the solution to most of the problems that we're talking about is government. Either government will create a solution or they have the solution, or you should ask their permission to do the solution of whatever it is. This is what, I mean, this is effectively what's being taught right now and was being taught, quite honestly, when I was in high school 35 years ago and it never sat right with me well wait why can't why can't we why can't we figure it out ourselves why can't we why do we need to go to the government to answer these questions but this is this is where we're at this is what is going on they're sitting here. I mean, this is this article is huge, you know. And they're talking about what well, we really need to do. We need to get more of that money. We need to do all these things. We have a good sense of what the needs are. We're here to get more information about the funding opportunities. We need to strengthen the relationship with the federal with the agency folks and everything else. I mean, if you wanted to tie yourself more closely to an overreaching overarching federal government, then what do you do? I mean, there's money, right? Well, there's always a hook in there somewhere. You're always tying yourselves to them tighter. The more you take that money, the tighter, because remember that, well, if you don't do that, then we'll just stop funding this. You'll do what I say and you'll take this money. But if you don't, we'll pull your highway funds. If you don't do what the federal government says on these other things, these other things that should be sovereign in every state, right, through nullification or whatever, things that should be handled just by the state. If you don't do what we say, then we'll pull this funding out over here. It's the stick and the carrot. But you have a thousand people that show up that all look at this and go, look at this, all this money that's going to come in and we have an opportunity and please, please. Could I just have a little bit of it? (laughs) I mean, does Alaska have needs? Absolutely. Absolutely we have needs. Could those needs be fulfilled in another way? Absolutely. I mean, (laughs) absolutely. Will we? Probably not. I mean, we have a dependency state here. This whole, this whole state has become a dependency state. You know, when you've got over 50% of the employees in the state working for government at one level or another, you know, city, borough, federal, whatever. It's very hard to look beyond the the purse strings of of, uh, of, of, of Uncle Sugar. But it just, it breaks my heart to see this because, I mean, I read this story and I understand what they're trying to say, but all I could see was the fact that we are looking, that we are looking at the death of self-sufficiency. And we are looking at this, the, the real – not just the birth of it because the, the, the handout mentality has been there for a long time, but it has become more pervasive at every level. And things like this where they put together a multi-trillion-dollar infrastructure bill or multi-billion-dollar, I guess, infrastructure bill and then make everybody compete for it for the approval of mommy and daddy, right – that's essentially they're making all the kids squabble it out. This is like the stuff that you saw. You know, this is like Machiavellian stuff where the, the emperor makes his children fight it out amongst themselves or so only the strong will survive and they can be, you know, they can replace them when the emperor dies kind of thing. He encourages the behind-the-scenes games of who's got the best need. It's, it's disappointing to say the least. All right, um, I got a couple lines on hold. Um, I'm going to take one of them before we go to break, so call or two if uh, if you're on hold when I get done with this. Just hold on a second. I'll be right to you. But let's go over here to the first one. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah,
4: good morning. This is Ray Northpole.
3: Hello, Ray. What's on your mind, sir? Yeah, I'm getting an
4: echo. Uh, go ahead, Ray. Okay, uh, this... Uh socialist santa claus that's running is uh i hope he gets his fat head up in somebody's chimney and all his rain to take turns pooping, pooping down the pipe wow tell me how you really feel and, right? uh, and uh for these uh for david Cruz and uh his uh butt buttered buddies uh i um, heroes and Want to take our rights away from us? Okay. I'd like to remind them of something. Okay. This land is your land. It's my land. From the Gulf of Alaska to the Arctic Ocean. From the Bering Sea to the Canadian border. This land was made for you and me. And I have a sunny day. Take your fist at a liberal and
3: those rhinos, and I'll see you on the trail. All right, thank you, Ray. I appreciate uh, the call. All right, we got another call on hold, but I am up against the break, and I've got to uh, I've got to take a quick one. So, caller, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back to you. The Michael Duke Show continues. We got more in just a moment, including your phone calls and discussions on this. Right after this, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio, The Michael Duke Show. We're broadcasting
0: live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain, sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukeshow.com.
3: Okay, uh, caller in the chat room right now. Let's uh, go over to them and see what uh, their name is, and we'll uh, get them set up for the return to radio. Good morning. Who's this?
5: Good morning, John from Kodiak.
3: Hello, John from Kodiak. Can you hold the line, please, sir? You will be first up as soon as we return to, uh, from the commercials, okay? Will do. All right, hold the line there, John. Um, all right, uh, John from. Why does it still say Joanna from Fairbanks? It should say John from Kodiak. I don't know why it says. There we go. There we go. Okay, I got it fixed. I got it fixed. Um, money is one hell of a drug. That is. That that's a hundred percent true. A hundred percent true. And again, uh, several generations of people being told that government is the answer to all of their problems. And so, of course, the first thing they do is they look to government to solve the problems. And if government's going to solve the problems, well, then government should pay for the problems. And if government needs the money to pay for the problems, well, shouldn't we all just pitch in and do it anyway? I mean, that's the problem right there. I need a producer. I need a drink. I need a lot of things, Paul. I need a lot of things. But, uh, anyway, if I had a producer, then I'd have to pay them, and then I couldn't do the show because I wouldn't have enough money to do the show and pay for everything and do all that stuff as well, and then you wouldn't have a show, and then I wouldn't need a producer. And that's a really weird circle, isn't it? That's a really weird circle. Um, okay. Um... So, Edgman promoting Murkowski for federal giveaway and for Senate. Does that mean she's now independent like Edgman or Democrat like we all suspect? I mean, come on, Willie. This is a this is a thing. This is a thing. Do you need a producer that works for drinks? Well, I don't know. First of all, my studio is only four by eight. So how we're going to fit two people in here? And the fact that we're in the middle of my house at five o'clock in the morning, that could be a long drive for you. I'm just saying. Maybe you'll just have to deal with it with me not having a producer and occasionally fumbling something because it is a, as we say in the thing, it's a low budget radio show. That's how it works. That's how it works. Um, is she a Democrat like we all suspect? Did you look at her voting record while she was in the state legislature? Lisa Murkowski. Has always been a Democrat. She only wore the R next to her name because Daddy had an R next to his name. That's pretty much why it went on. The students are being taught entitlement. You're not wrong. Filthy lucre. Our own state legislature doesn't think we can spend our money wisely. Again, this is the politician's disease. Right? I mean, that is really the politician and the elected officials and the bureaucrat's disease is that they somehow think that they can better spend their money, spend our money better than, well, they think it's their money. They think they can better spend our money than we can. That's what it all comes down to in the end. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Should I scroll? Scroll back up. Rhymes all the time. Um, Ray is a poet. Yeah, Ray was, this land is your land, this land is our land. Uh, did we lose Ray? No, I accidentally muted Ray because I was trying to fix his echo And I accidentally muted him for a minute That was me, not him Because I could still hear him, so I didn't know it was muted Until somebody in the chat room said something The money-slinging beer pongers in Juno have a great need for money um, Government, yeah Again, Donna Ardwin laying out the basics for us again Government's basic function is redistribution of your money That is true <laughs> Perhaps it's time to pay every Alaskan a one-time $50,000 final PFD if the legislature wants to keep nickel and diming us. It would take over 35 years at a measly $1,300 a year to match that. Oh, they would never do that, though, Dan. The problem is is because that would take away their enormous amount of uh, investing and earning power. You know, their whole goal here is to get to the permanent fund to $100 $100 billion so that they can just suck as much as they want out of it and continue to grow government at that pace. Because once it hits the $100 million, Dollar mark, it's kind of that self-sustaining thing where they can get $5 billion a year out of it, no problem, and still be making more every year. It'll still grow. That's what they want. So your idea of cutting a $50,000 check to every person in the state, which would eat up about half of that money, is a non-starter. It is a non-starter from the very beginning. But, I mean, hey, I'd take it. I'd take it and invest that money and start to generate some returns. All right. 30 seconds out. John is on the phone from Kodiak. We're going to take his call, and then we're going to continue the discussions, kind of whichever way the wind takes us here this morning. Um, We will see what we will see. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Let's do this. All right, uh, continuing now, uh, the Michael Duke Show. We open up the phone lines, the Pivotel call-in lines, to see what you guys had to say. And John called in from Kodiak, and uh, he held on through the break. We appreciate that from him. So let's go over to him first things first and see what uh, he has to say this morning. John, what's on your mind, sir? Michael,
5: thanks for taking my call. I'm a recent transplant
3: from Florida. Well, welcome to the uh, welcome to the state. Thanks for coming. My XM,
5: in. yeah, we do have an echo. My XM radio doesn't work, but I was happy to find your show.
3: Well, thank you very much.
5: Um, I thought Alaska would be the last frontier of of self independence, uh, self control, self discipline, individualism but it's the same with all the other states. The club of 535 in DC become richer as the country becomes poorer, and the states have given their authority to the federal government and they line up to get the checks.
3: That's exactly right. It's
5: a disaster what's happened to this country.
3: No, I and mean, that's exactly what I was just talking about. I mean, John, the states line up with their ha- with their hands out, their hats in their hands, you know, holding it out. Please, could we have a little bit? And the federal government glowingly, you know, with the beating their own chest at what a great job they're doing. They pass the monies out, of course, with all the strings attached that take away more of the states' rights as they go forward. And they slowly, you know, this is, it used to be that the, uh, that the, uh, Uh, Power in the United States flowed from the states to the federal government. It looked like a funnel with all the states on top and whatever power that they didn't need or didn't use or wasn't delegated to them went to the federal government. And now it's an inverted. Now it's an inverted. It's a pyramid. The power flows from the federal government and the money flows from the federal government. And they slowly but surely strip away the state's identities and their individual rights and any, you know, any power that the states may have all. All so that they can get their hands on that filthy lucre. One more point, please. Absolutely.
5: And I don't know if it's incompetence or a diabolical plan. But the states are obligated to have a budget and to meet that budget. The federal government is not. Right. It. As long as it has trees to print money and an ocean of ink, they'll just give it away because they don't really care about the future of our country.
3: Yeah, no, they don't even need trees anymore, John. All they need is a computer with some more digital zeros. They can do whatever they want. You're uh, you're 100% correct. <laughs> Thank you for calling in. Welcome to Alaska. Don't worry, we are still better than most of the other places out there because there's rugged individualists like you who are coming here to try and prop up our, uh, our rugged spirit. So thank you for calling in, John. All right, 433-3150, 433-3150, but I'm going to kill the phones. He said there was an echo. The previous caller said there was an echo. There must be an echo. So I'm going to restart my phone system uh, to see if I can uh, fix the problem. Sometimes uh, sometimes we get a little bit of a problem like that. So I'm going to get, uh, get the phone lines restarted, and we will see what you guys want to talk about. But John's right. You know, people look at Alaska— And uh, whether whether they see it through the eyes of reality TV, which, by the way, I just want to let you know, um, it's not reality. Okay, I just wanted to point that out, just in case you were wondering, reality TV is not real. Uh, But just whether they see it through that or they just think of Alaska, again, as the last frontier um, or uh, or anything else. The bottom line is, is that. We. Have been giving up our independence. We have been giving up our rugged individualism. We have been allowing the federal government to subsume us. And here in the state of Alaska, especially, where we become so dependent on all those federal dollars for these programs that get created, these nice to have programs that have been created. I mean, just for an example, again, looking at one of the most recent and egregious examples the Medicare funding, the Medicaid funding, rather, under Bill Walker. We took every optional Medicaid program that was available, and we started them. And those of us who were fighting against that said, do you understand what this is going to cost us in the long run? And we were told, oh, no, no, don't worry. The federal government will keep paying for this. The federal government will keep paying for this. And the bottom line is is that historically, That doesn't happen in the long term. Oh, in the short term, they may pay for it for three, five, ten years. But eventually the federal government will say, no, we just don't have enough money for that. Or our congressional delegation is not good, not as good as at bringing home the bacon. Or maybe it's tied to something else that the state does that doesn't make the federal government happy, and so they pull they pull the money out that way. And now all of a sudden, the state is once again on the hook for the for the totality or the majority of a program, a program that costs millions and maybe even billions dollars, billions of dollars a year. That's where we're at. So they slowly, they slowly inoculate us against the fear or against the idea that we can be independent. And that's been the problem in this state for years. People like Jay Hammond and Dick Randolph and many others have warned about it. And yet nobody, nobody seems to be, I mean, I've been talking about it for 20 years. At one level or another. And yet nobody wants to pull back on the reins. And 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 we've had people who are supposedly fiscal conservatives that should be wanting to pull back on those reins. And yet they can't. Do, I mean, I'm thinking specifically at this moment about John Coghill, who went into the legislature with the best of intentions. I know because I was there when he did it. I mean, we talked, we discussed it, we talked about the various things, and I slowly watched him change over the years. And, you know, I still, I still remember, I still remember the conversation that I had with him in 1999 when, um... They were making a run at the permanent fund, and that was the first attempt to change and convert the, the permanent fund into a 50-50, into a POMV, permanent fund. And that was the vote that was defeated by the citizens of the state of Alaska, 83%. By 83%, they voted in in opposition to this plan, which John Coghill supported. And I remember having him in the studio, and I remember asking him, John, why? I mean, why are you doing this? And he said, well, you just don't understand people come into my office and, and they, you know, they have a, they have a, they have a need. They tell their stories and it's so, and you know, I just, I, I, you know, it's just like, it's the Christian thing to do to just give them some money and do these things. And I'm like, but John, it's not your money. If you want to contribute to them, that's fine. But because somebody can come in and give you a sob story doesn't make it Right. But that's that's the attitude. I slowly watch people go down to Juno and become subsumed to become, you know, the pod people where they went down there with the best of intentions and they later on come back and it's a whole changed ballgame. We've got to stop with the handout mentality. A thousand people went to Uncle Sam. They went to a class to learn to go how to beg from Uncle Sam. That's what that was all about. That symposium, which again, you know, you 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 heard she was running for Congress, right? Did you know? Did you know she's running? She's running for Senate. Did you did you hear that? <laughs> I mean, the newspapers want you to know just in case that she's doing all this for Alaska that's what they they want us to know that's what it's all about um all right is the shower power hour coming back asked Paul no Paul uh, uh Mike shower is not going to be with us today he is traveling uh I've been announcing that since two, since I guess since yesterday I announced it but uh, maybe we'll get him on tomorrow I'm still working on Nick baggage the third hoping to have him on uh tomorrow as well we'll see what it looks like but we will uh, we'll continue in just a moment. Hour two is dead ahead. We'll take some more of your phone calls. I got some other discussions to talk about, including education. We can continue our discussion from yesterday. And the phone lines are back open, so I'd love to hear what you have to say at 433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line, powered by your friends at Satellite West. Back with more of the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Paul said he's had people from the lower 48 ask him if he takes his dog sled to work. He said it's the funniest question ever because they were serious. Paul, you, you miss a golden opportunity here if you don't answer that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, because I had people when I would be visiting outside and I'd have people ask me that and I'd be like, uh, you know, did they, do you take your, yeah, I said, yeah, man, I got the fastest dog sled in town, man, we would drag race. You know, on weekends, we get out there and I, my dogs, my dogs are faster than anybody. And you know what? My fo- my folks live in a split level igloo, too. They got the nicest igloo in town. And people go, what? What? They, they believed it. I mean, they, they, they seriously thought dog sleds and igloos were the real deal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it just you miss an opportunity if somebody asks you if you take your dog sled to work. You miss an opportunity if you don't brag about how fast your dog sled is and the fact that you have a split level two story igloo. I mean that's you you're missing out if you're not uh if you're not doing that. Um yeah, what's the heating cost of an igloo? It's cool, man. It's cool. <laughs> All right. What else do you guys? Okay, so let's take a poll. I can't do a poll in here because I'm not in the actual Facebook thing, but um, I could see everybody's comments. So let's take a poll today. Um, Coming up next, I was going to discuss education and I was going to talk about the new reading program and the fight going on between the House and the Senate over the reading. Um, But is there something else you guys want to talk about? Is there something else that you guys think we should tackle? Should we talk about this new? uh, Should we talk about this form that the Alaska basketball coaches uh, um, uh, put out talking about how they are basically being held harmless from any sexual abuse or misconduct with the kids under their care? Um, You want to talk about that? Um, or, Or is there something completely different that you want to talk about? So you guys guide me just talk amongst yourselves for a minute and tell me what it is that you want me to cover or what other topics that you would like to discuss this morning feel go free type type away. Tell me what it is. I mean, there's 60 of you in the chat room and I've seen about four people have commented over the last 10 minutes. So there's either 55 of you working for the state government listening to this just to make sure that I don't say anything bad about their bosses or you're just lurking in the background. I mean, you know, so whatever's going on, let's 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 go. Bill says, let's go completely left field and talk about food mm, food. I may have had a donut this morning, Bill. That's all I'm saying. I may have had a donut this morning. Uh, Je- Jeannie says, no, she doesn't want to talk about the coaches who want to buy on child abuse to ruin your day. Uh, Brian wants to get me banned from Facebook by talking about the 2020 election. Are you a libtard, says Will Willifer. Well, I don't know. You'll have to listen, Willifer, for a few minutes. I mean, am I a libtard? I'm a libertarian. I think that means everybody hates me. I think everybody hates me. Um. um I'm lurking, and please feel free to speak negatively about your boss. Joseph, your boss is horrible. I don't know who your boss is, but I just thought I'd say that. Um, technically work for the state government, but I, but I want you to say crazy things Says Rob, <laughs> um, um, I need coffee. Uh, let's talk about that thing that fell from the sky. Are you still promoting beard curler? Yes. I mean, I would like to have me some beard curler coffee right now, but I am out and I am now feeling the pinch of the supply chain logistics woes. That's what I'm, that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> Because my coffee is made up of several different kinds of beans, one uh, one kind right now that they are having a hard time getting. And so I have been out of coffee for three weeks, which is a crisis in and of itself to be out of my own coffee for three weeks. But, uh, yeah, as soon as I get some more in, I actually owe some bags to some people. I'm just waiting for it to show in, show up. Um, I'm self-employed, says Joseph. Oh, well, then you are. You do have a horrible boss. You have a horrible boss, man. He is a real so-and-so. So I hear. Bacon and cheese omelet in the works right now. What did I see the other day? Can't remember what I was watching. Somebody forwarded it to me. I don't remember if it was a YouTube thing or a Face Crunch thing or a TikTok or whatever it was. Uh, guy did a. The guy made a a bacon. It was like the ultimate BLT with eggs. He had a little square pan, and he layered the bacon in and then cracked the eggs into it and put all the good stuff in it and then folded it all up and then baked it on the grill, flipped it, painted it with barbecue sauce, did a bunch of other stuff, toasted some bread, then put lettuce and tomatoes and everything else on top of it and uh, ate it. It was like the most amazing thing, amazing thing that you've seen. Uh, do the, like the rest of us waiting for beard color, Folgers Instant. Ooh. Man, I think I'd rather lick a cat's ass than have instant Folgers. What is your definition of libertarian? Because there are people who describe themselves as one, but generally have socially conservative views like Shapiro. Um, I, well, I I believe that uh, you shouldn't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Um, I am conservative in some ways and more liberal in other ways. Willifer, you'll have to listen. You'll have to listen. That's it. You know, Just have to listen and see if you like what I have to say, and if not, that's okay too, man. I mean, we just spent fifteen minutes talking about how we're creating a dependency state in this country, where everybody becomes dependent on the federal government and goes to them for every handout imaginable. I think that would probably classify me in your mind somewhere. I don't think the libtard thing would fit though at that point. Uh, Maybe that's just me. Okay, Um, we we gotta go. The Michael Duke show Common Sense Liberty-based free-thinking radio rejoining the radio right now. Here we go with hour 2.
0: Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out themichaeldukesshow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The the, the Michael Dukes Show.
1: The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me.
2: What
0: more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire.
2: That was just BS.
1: It is time to get a new perspective.
0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom.
1: I just don't fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
3: Streaming live around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator on the terrestrial side and around the world on the interwebs at show.com where you can find the streams and the podcasts and everything else. Plus on YouTube and Twitch TV, not on YouTube this week because we got a ban from YouTube because one of my guests mentioned something about the 2020 election and it got me a one week ban because you can't talk about anything anymore apparently i mean you can't even not a thing not a thing uh welcome back to hour two now normally this is our shower hour of power where we get a chance to talk to state senator mike shower but uh he is traveling today and so he is unable to join us this morning and so um um, And so we're we're going to just chat about some other things We're going to open up the phone lines though uh, First and foremost uh, All you got to do is go to our phone number here The Pivotel call in line at 907-433-3150 907-433-3150 Powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West And you can uh, jump in the queue and talk about anything you want During the break I asked the listeners In the chat room uh, It's just me and 65 of my closest friends On Facebook and Twitch this morning uh, But uh I said, what do you guys want to talk about? We just finished talking in the last hour. If you missed it, by the way, Uh, Lisa Murkowski put on a symposium for a thousand people. They made sure to mention that in the article several times, a thousand people to teach them how to take advantage of the transformational infrastructure bill funding. Basically, it was a class on teaching you how to hold your hat just correctly so that when you went forward to the king and to the federal government and said, please, sir, may I have some more that they give? you the money that you want that's what it was there it was teaching you how to jump through the myriad hoops to abase yourself to the federal government just right and maybe just maybe they would give you some of your money back to do these programs out there now i'm exaggerating it slightly but not much all i could do as i read this article was think about how basically that's what we've created we have created a handout mentality in this state, in this country, but in, in this state specifically, in the state of Alaska. I mean, we have become so dependent on the federal government for every little thing. And I guess it's no surprise after multiple generations of, of school children going through the system and basically being taught that if you have a problem, do you have a problem? Government's the answer. That's what they tell you, right? I mean, that's the you know, you've got a problem. Oh, government can fix that for you. Oh, wait, no. It's right over here. This government can handle everything that you need is all in the hands of government. Right. That's what it's what they're taught. There is no self-reliance. There is no looking in the mirror and looking yourself in the eye and going, saying you, buddy, you are the solution to your problem. No, no, it's always the government. It's always somebody else. It's always more money It's always something If we just had one more dollar We could do a little bit more If we just had one more You know, if we just had one more We could fix it But that's the problem uh, So anyway, that was hour one Which we could continue discussing if you'd like uh, I'm just going to open up the phone lines For open line, open forms, hour. Well. So anyway, I was asking the callers What they wanted to talk about uh, Some of them wanted to talk about food some of them wanted to talk about the lights in the sky or the thing that fell from the sky, um, which was the, the contrails that were they were jet contrails is what they were that happened to be backlit by the rising sun and uh, and everything else or the big light in the sky that was seen from Fairbanks to Nome. We could talk about that. Um, whatever. We, we could talk about all those different things or we could talk about the new read by nine program that was just put together. Uh, in the uh, state senate and passed over although it looks like it could be facing a stiff uphill battle from the house of all places why well because they didn't get the funding that they wanted man because they just if we you can't put new programs on us if it's gonna cost more we need more money that's the problem right there oh and the fact that it might actually make you test the children and 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 uh, and and make sure that they're reading and learning on course. That's I mean that's you know uh... So I guess I'll let me go into details on this. I would I was deciding whether I really wanted to dive into this because this is, this is just one of those things that irritates the hell out of me. But here it is. The uh, Senate, uh, Alaska Senate, um, unanimously passed a comprehensive reading of pre-kindergarten bill on Tuesday. But it faces uncertainty in the House of Representatives. The bill, which is going to cost about 13 million dollars a year or $128 million over the next decade, would work towards implementing universal, voluntary, pre-kindergarten across Alaska. Why don't you just call it daycare? That's what it is, right? It's state-funded daycare. That's, I mean, that's what pre-K, pre-kindergarten is, but... You know, this was a bipartisan bill. You had Tom Baggage on the one side who was co-sponsoring along with Shelly Hughes, so I'm sure you had to give to get, but at least it's voluntary pre-kindergarten. And they're not mandating that you put your kids in pre First of all, what? No, I don't even want to get into it. Okay. Existing programs could be improved, and school districts could compete for grants to establish new ones. Wait a minute. You mean we're competing again for more? Please, sir, uh, could I have some more? Um, there would be a new Read by Nine program, which is adapted from the Florida and Mississippi initiatives. This is actually the best part of the whole bill, is the Read by Nine program. It tries to ensure that all students can read before they leave the third grade. If they can't read sufficiently by then, their parents would be asked not to promote them or that they undergo 20 hours of intensive reading education. Look, if you get to the third grade and you can't read, I don't know if another 20 hours of intensive reading education is going to help that much. I mean, there's obviously something going on there where you're not somebody is not teaching you or something's not going on. Have I mentioned why this is reason six hundred and fourteen? You should homeschool your kids. I'm just I'm, I'm just asking for a friend. Right. The 40 page bill known as the Alaska Reads Act also contains provisions to hire six reading specialists to instruct across 43 school districts and would establish a virtual education consortium to establish online learning programs for students and teachers, which at least, that I mean, that at least sounds like a good idea. They're at least moving in the direction that the technology is moving as well. And yeah, Paul in the chat room just said it's 20 hours to study for the test, right? Because it's a, they have to test them. They have to test them. Um, Tom Baggage goes on to talk about how, This is a game changer and everything's good. And he said he tried to clear up what he called misinformation about the Alaska Reads Act. He said the pre-K programs would be voluntary for districts and that there would be no quote unquote high stakes testing for kids. He said it's about establishing a proven philosophy to improve reading outcomes. See, because that's been some of the pushback. Oh, you've got all these. You're going to test these kids. You're going to make them high. We're just going to teach them to the test. We're just going to. We're not really going to. You guys are doing such a crappy job right now anyway. What does it matter if you taught them only to the test at this point? At least they'd be able to read. Seriously. Alaska continues to fall at the bottom of the chart. For reading at the fourth and eighth grade levels. I mean, fourth, we are at the bot for eighth grade, we are at the bottom of the barrel. They have to teach remedial reading to some high school students. What is going on? How can you even function in this world without being able to read? And how in the hell did you make it all the way through high school without being able to read? Now, here's where the little rub comes in. The house has its own reading bill which is not moved from the House Education Committee. Current plans would see it spend more on reading intervention initiatives, but they don't have an updated cost estimate for the bill. And there's some skepticism in the House, according to KTUU, about the Senate bill, particularly on whether it would be beneficial to rural Alaska and whether there's been enough funding. If, if it works in the why wouldn't it be beneficial to rural Alaska? If they all have to... I was here, OK. This is why I didn't want to talk about this. And they want to know whether there's been enough funding set aside to achieve its goals. Grier Hopkins of Fairbanks, a member of the House Education Committee, he's raised those concerns. He says our schools need those supports. He's talking about the House's increased funding. We can't just throw a whole new policy program at them without the supports and the funding. Otherwise, we're just going to rob Peter to pay Paul. This is all about more money. Oh, we we can put a new probe, but we need more money to make it happen. You're killing me. Absolutely killing me. All right. Um, let's go over to the phones to see what you have to say. Maybe you'll change the topic. I don't know. Maybe not. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
2: Hi, Mike. listening to you this morning. Not anything about the reading thing, but I can tell you this. I got out of high school. I wasn't that good a reader but I started my own business and I became a good reader and I was better at math and I learned more out of high school. than than I did in the whole 12 years, you know, of school. And I've learned more since. And I've said that forever. Right. My own son quit school at 17 said, come to, to me, can't stop me. Dad said, I know, I know all the rules. You know, um, I, look, I said, I told him I got a diploma. I don't know where it is. Nobody's ever asked for it, but I got skills, good mm-hmm. ones. People keep me busy. They right. still to this day. I have more work. Never took a penny from COVID, by the way. And COVID's coming back. Thought was on TV, demanding that you that you uh, you do what you're told, and then laughed. I don't know if you've seen that video, but it's quite quite chilling. No, uh, well, which so which it, video is that? You know, it was on Studio Six B, I think, and it's one where he says, "You know, I know you don't want to." do what you're told, but it is time that you do what you're told. <laughs> I think it was Dr. Evil and I wasn't watching a damn movie. I was watching a real newscast Okay, you know, and and they're getting sure. real sickening because they know they're going to lose this fall and the only way they can win, the only way they're going to be able to win now is to bring back COVID, bring out the boxes and make everybody mail in and cheat. And, and they've already got it here in the state with this ranked choice voting. You know, you can't vote for Superman because you, you will never be told where your vote went, whether it, well, either way. But anyways, uh, back to the reading thing, you know, I became a better reader, all right? I became a better math with math, doing carpenter work, and I learned it, in, and I'm good at it now. But I didn't learn it in school, all right? And funny thing, I was an A student.
3: Well, that's the thing. um, We should be teaching basic reading, writing and arithmetic and then the life skills and things are things that you accomplish afterwards. I mean, you should never stop learning. You know, there's never there's just because you graduate from school, whether high school or college, doesn't mean that you stop learning. And that seems to be the misnomer amongst a lot of people. But at least you should be taught the basic skills of reading, writing and arithmetic.
2: Right. The best thing I ever taught my kids was skills, 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 and I don't care if that's reading, writing, or arithmetic. Learn all that, but learn everything you can learn through life because life is not a one-time, one-job thing. There's a few. You're you're lucky you've been in there and what you do for this long and it's lasted. But you know, they're being in here on YouTube. So how long, how long do you have? You know, you got to think about that. What are you going to do if this all goes away? I do that every day. What what if I can't do carpenter work anymore? What am I going to do? Well, I have other skills. Right. So my kids all thank me for that. And you have to have that same mindset as a person. If you can learn something, you know, I learn things now that if I would have been taught that in high school, I go, Oh, I ain't never I'm never going to use that. Yeah. Right. No, I know better now. I'm 62 years old and I've been down the road and I want to learn every darn thing I can see or find, or I don't care if it's about a tree or if it's about building or, You know, I don't argue with people. uh, I see things on on. I watch a lot of Novas. I watch a lot of things that have good science. You know, you want good science? Go watch something like that. And and I learn things from that stuff. And people, where would you where did you find that out? It was on a Nova. It was on a program I watched. You know, or and I agree with it. You know, and then other things I don't agree with. Right. But I've I've learned how to learn. You know, don't stop that's, that. You're well, that's yeah. yeah. Day you die,
3: and that's the important thing. I mean, that's what schools should do is should teach you how to learn. It's not necessarily education never stops. Education should never stop. Um, but if if at least a teacher can inspire in you the love of learning, then something has been done right. That's what needs to happen. But we're obviously missing something. I mean, we are fiftieth in reading i'm 50th in reading at the uh, at the uh, at the eighth grade we're 47th out of 50 at reading at the four at the fourth grade i mean what <laughs> there's something fundamentally broken in the system and nobody wants to admit it all they want to do is say well if we only had more money we could keep doing the same things at a faster bigger larger pace well the definition of insanity my friends is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I mean, why why are they having to teach remedial at the University of Alaska? A huge portion of their freshman incoming class has to be taught remedial math just to be able to get into the 100-level classes, a significant portion of them, Not to mention reading and everything else. Makes no sense whatsoever. Something's broken, and we've got to admit that there's a problem. All right, we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show. Phone lines are open 433 3150. We return with more right after this.
1: Our light, our guide.
0: And our trusted friend Mike, Mike, Mike,
3: Mike. Chuck says in the chat room students get through high school because they can't ever be held back. We have a good friend that graduated from college but couldn't read a line on a simple menu. How? How do you How do you graduate from high school, let alone from college, and not be able to actually read? I mean, I just, what? What? You've not mentioned critical thinking, says DeShana. I talk about that all the time, DeShana. We've stopped teaching the the Socratic method, the the triumvirate of logic, rhetoric, and reason. That's all the basis for critical thinking. You're right. We're just not teaching that. We're not teaching a love of learning and critical thinking. Instead, it's all about, how do you feel? Tell me, how do you feel? That's all it's about now. How do you feel? Do you feel like you're a victim? Then you are a victim. Do you feel like you're being put upon? Then you are being put upon. Do you feel like you're disadvantaged? Well, you are right, you are disadvantaged. And we should comfort you in your time of need. Now, give us another $10,000 per student and we'll make this happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the system is a revolving door. They want butts in the seats. That's what they want. Butts in the seats so they can get more money for the system. Anything to put more butts in the seats because that's how they get paid. That's how they get paid. You guys should not get me talking about education. Took a course on public speaking from Harvard and I. Started his class. He pulled up a chair to the front of the class and sat quietly looking at us. <laughs> You want to get people's attention? That's how you do it. Um, you're hurting my feelings this morning. Could you please stop? Yes. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings, Jimmy. You are a bright and wonderful person, and you will go far. Here is a participation trophy you're looking for. Um, That's... I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. You poor poor pitiful but, Uh but that's that's what they got going on. That's what they got going on. Um all right. Uh sorry, I'm scrolling backwards here. Uh keep spending your money on overhead and your school stores will be in the dump. That's a fact. I agree. The AK educational system, especially in rural Alaska, is kaput. Weaponized like every other state agency. Uh, uh, one problem is the number of students in class. They also have taken discipline out of the class. One kid's misbehavior can hijack a whole class, much much less a few of them. Absolutely. 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 Um, our education system is a revolving door in Alaska, says Michael. Kids are just passed through because the schools are more interested in receiving money based on the numbers because of the class size restrictions. If we hold a kid back, then it would be the worst thing possible for the class size ratios. Yeah, they wouldn't get the You know, yeah, they would just it would blow the whole thing off. Uh, uh, OK. School systems are busy paying teachers unions instead of spending money on kids. Well, that's I mean, that became very apparent, Tyler, that became very apparent during the pandemic, that this was more about, um, uh, you know, this is more about pandering to the teachers unions and to the employee unions than it was about actually teaching the children. That's it became very apparent across the country that that's what was going on. When you got, you know, teachers unions who were demanding that social justice initiatives be taken up before they go black, go back to the classroom to teach the kids when it had nothing to do with the health and safety. Then it was just about the political nature of it. You knew exactly that it was not about the children anymore. And that's why you've seen such a resurgence uh, or a, yeah, a resurgence of homeschooling and all these other various opportunities that are out there. That's why people are talking about backpack funding and education now. That's what's going on. All right, uh, we got uh, we got uh, one call on hold. We're gonna get to them here in a hot second, but we are ten seconds out. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, pretty thick on radio. Let's do it. All right, we're going to continue now. we got some more phone calls. I warn these people in the chat room not to get me started on education because it is a pet peeve extraordinaire of mine. I get so irritated by the whole thing. Uh, But let's go to the phones and see what you have to say at 433-3150. And we'll start off with this caller over here. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
4: Yes, good morning, Willie Keppel in Quintahawk. Good morning, Willie. And uh, I, I thought maybe I could throw a little more fuel on the fire for <laughs> you. Because education out here is, is a hot topic with me, too. And I have, a, I have a lot of different little points. Number one, I'd like to point out, Governor Dunleavy, when he ran the first time, was talking about getting educational bases set up in rural Alaska, more like Mount Edgecombe, so we're not sending all three, close to 250 kids just from the YK Delta, to Sitka. You know, that might as well be the far side of the moon from out here, but it's just the way it always has been. Right. And it's been a very good thing for the kids, pretty much. You know, I mean, uh, Mount Edgecombe one heck of a good school. It used to be. But now my problem is my daughter just graduated from Mount Edgecombe last year, never never missed the honor roll in four years, so she moves over to Honolulu, and she's helping her sister uh, with baby, and her sister's highly educated, uh, graduated from Georgetown, married kids, so She's living with her sister and enjoying the beaches and, and taking college courses with the University of Anchorage. The problem is, even after all four years of Mount Edgecombe, we're paying right now for all remedial classes. All remedial. And I'm going, hmm, I back Dunleavy mostly because of his education stance. I wanted to turn the University of Fairbanks remote campus out here in Bethel um, which is kind of like a remedial grade school at at, at best into a real school that you could have the money follow and you could hire professionals to come and teach real school instead of this, hey, we got to promote you just because of your age and that's what they pretty much do out here. Now, where our problems are, I talk to all these teachers, we live right on a river, so every year the teachers are walking by our house out here, I get to know every teacher that comes to this village. At sooner or later I get my chances to talk to them, you know? And what, they've just, what they all tell me is, yep, these kids, every one of these kids has gone through the pre-K, you know, where young young parents can... Take your kids and then go fish down to pre-K, and that gives them a half a morning off. Just go fishing in the morning, go pick berries, go do whatever. But the young kids aren't parenting, and it's because of this dependency you've been talking about the whole time here on the show today. Right. It's a dependency. It's giving me... Give me that. Give me the freedom to go go out here and very and pick for subsistence while someone watches my kid instead of me being at home teaching them how to read. And what they have done in all these all these village schools out here is because there's, they can't even hardly get the teachers to fill the first to 12th grade classes. They're never going to find the teachers to come for pre-K or for kindergarten, either one. So they hire a local. And these are local people doing their best, but everything is taught in Yupik. So when they hit the first grade, they can't do ABC one, two, three. And there is your problem. It doesn't matter how much money you throw at this. As long as the districts are this dysfunctional that they can't teach the ABCs in English, they're still going to, you know, Anchorage has what, Over 80 different languages, I think I read, spoke in there. They're still teaching English, so your schools in Anchorage are a lot better. But to teach Yupik and the Kupik, which my kids are half Yupik, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not prejudiced by a long shot, or I wouldn't live in the middle of nowhere in a village where I'm only one of three white people out of 700. I'm not prejudiced. But I'm telling you, here's the problem. You have to get past teaching anything but english you need to teach english this is what all jobs operate on right so there's my thought for the morning i hope i didn't pour too much gas on you mike no
3: no i but i want to dissect something here let me go back to your daughter again she graduated from mount inchcomb uh with good marks right i mean you're saying almost a uh, almost a 4.0 does well comes out has to immediately go back into remedial classes to be able to take basic 100-level classes, right? That's what you're saying.
4: Yes. Yeah, she she had better than a B average the whole time. And yeah. she's right now, we're paying, I forget how much, I mean, she has her own 529 college account, which the state's pretty much destroyed. That's where you can take part or all of your dividend, throw it into the state program for education. It's, they call it the five twenty nine program now. Right. And she using she's using her money right now that she saved through the years of PFDs to pay for it and I think it's like three grand this year just to take the remedial classes to be able to enter classes for for real, real classes. You know, she she has a goal of becoming a registered nurse, you know. And the problem is, is that everything has, with the educational system, everything is, nope, we can't hold these kids back. It doesn't look good. It's like having a foot race. They have a foot race or a ski race out here somewhere. Every kid gets a ribbon. It doesn't work that way. You know, there's, if you're having a race, there's three places, and that's the way it works. One, two, three ribbons, not 24 ribbons or 28 ribbons you know and and this is their problem they can't they don't want to differentiate the kids that are having problems because then they have to admit they've got a problem with their with their process of teaching
3: Right, exactly. They They have to admit that there is something flawed in the system, though the way it is. Um, Willie, what you're saying echoes uh, what I've been talking about for the last few years. About eight or nine years ago, I had a gentleman on the program in Fairbanks anonymously. Um, I couldn't say who he was. He worked for the university system at that point, and he was part of the department that dealt with uh, remedial math students. And uh, and he said that a huge portion of students coming out of the Fairbanks North Star Borough School District as graduates, something like in the 70th, 70th percentile range were having to take remedial math just to get into the, they they couldn't test high enough to get into the basic 100 level class math classes. And he, he called, he contacted me. He came on the show and talked about it because he was so outraged by it because it was just putting an enormous strain on the system. And it would just wasn't right that they were graduating these kids without the ability to slip right into a 100 level math class and he was sounding the alarm back then and it's just it's just continuing science math reading all of those things we continue to test far below uh, the average state and in fact in the bottom on the reading and the math scores it's it's horrific but nobody wants to admit that there's a problem
2: well
4: there's a lot of problems starting with the school boards. Here's, here's one of my biggest, biggest beats with this district out here. And I'm sure it holds true in the lower Yukon and probably further north through the Northwest everywhere else. You have a, you have a college educated teacher, young person. This is who we spend thousands of bucks, this district, spends thousands and thousands of dollars to send recruiters outside the colleges to try to find young people, anybody, even old teachers, new teachers, to come up here and fill these slots in these villages. Teachers get signed on, they get a two thousand dollar a year bonus for coming up here. The state pays buku extra bucks, moving all their stuff to get them to come up with these two-year contracts. Well. Wait a minute, a teacher finally gets here, realizes, hey, there's not a single road in a single village. There's no snow machines to ride. There's no four-wheelers for them to ride. To get anything out here costs three arms and four legs, but these young kids are all trying to pay off student loans. And yet, what does the school district do? The school district has all these, all housing, all this fancy housing in the villages and charges them like a thousand bucks a month to stay in housing. And I'm going, holy cow, why don't we just do something that makes sense? The school district did not pay a penny to build a single building. We, the taxpayers, did all that. That's our money. So why are we charging young people to come up here and try to get them to stay longer than two years? Most quit at the first year. Say this is enough of this, There's there's no benefit in being here for them it doesn't pay why don't we why don't the school districts just say hey this is like the army now your your housing is free you can take that thousand bucks a month that the school district is putting right back into their coffers charging rent on their own buildings that they never had to pay for in the first place here's a thousand bucks that you can use as a bonus and throw it right back at your student loans and when I talk to these young teachers that are out here every year, year after year, I say, would that make a difference? Yes, that's a better damn deal than the bonus they ever gave us in the first place. We'd be interested in staying three, four years. And with that three, four years, you get a continuity of kids knowing what to expect and teachers they can depend on instead of a brand new brand new gussick. That's a white person in the village, gussick in the, in the classroom every year, somebody that they're already half, they're half shy. I mean, um, you get out here in these remote villages, you don't see many white people and they're kind of an oddity, you know, and little kids are gun shy of them. You know, they're gun shy of white people. They're gun shy of black people. They're gun shy of Spanish American people. You know (laughs) I mean? It's just the way it works. It's not a norm. Right. what it I'm trying to say.
3: Takes a while to break school the ice, right? Yeah.
4: School districts do more damage to themselves and they keep saying oh we need more money to fix this, to fix that. No they don't. They need to consolidate all these school districts down to about 3 districts in the entire state. That's the way I look at it as far as the unincorporated area. You uh, know, I mean, yeah. you're in Anchorage, you're you're in Dillingham. You pay you pay your first-class cities. You pay your taxes. You run your own schools. That's one thing. All these unincorporated areas need to be consolidated down, and we need to get rid of all of the all of the administration that's running them because they're all right. all hell bent on ever having enough
3: money yeah you got 45 school districts that are duplicative effort in many of these areas and you're right it's a good solution for it's a good way to step in that direction anyway is that consolidation we've talked about that in the past uh willie thanks for giving us your perspective from out there in the village we appreciate you calling in this morning and being part of it but that puts us up against the uh uh, puts us up against the clock we got to take a quick break we're going to be back the michael duke show continues here (laughs) In just a moment, don't go anywhere. We'll continue with your phone calls. I'm assuming we could continue to talk about this education thing as well. We'll see what you guys have to say. We'll pull some stuff out of the chat room. You could join us on Facebook if you'd like to be part of that chat room Facebook.com/slash Michael Duke Show. We continue with more here in just a moment. You're home for Common Sense Radio. Mental suppository The Michael Duke Show Okay We're in the break right now And I'm going to go back you guys uh, um, uh, Going back and commenting On some of the things you guys have said here Let me uh, scroll backwards here Um That sort of thing happens often. Students graduate from high schools with a 4.0 average but don't qualify for 100-level English or math. Maybe juniors and seniors should be tested for college entry before they can graduate. K-12 just doesn't meet those standards. And that's part of the problem. Remember, they they fought back against the standards and the testing. They didn't want to just have to teach to the test. They didn't want to just have to be able to – well, again – you don't just teach to the test you teach them again to have a love of learning you teach them enough basics to be able to make it and understand the concepts of what's going on in there i mean i just i don't understand i don't understand that um if if uh, you shouldn't be able to you know if if the if the idea is you know k12 to college and then on to graduation is the dream right that's what everybody said is the dream, then shouldn't the standards for K through 12 meet at the bottom of the college ladder? I mean, shouldn't it be, you know, the K-12 ladder goes right up to college and then you just step off onto the college ladder and move on? Or should you have to do a bunch of different, I mean, why have the standards become so low in K-12 that these students can't even enter into it? Although uh, somebody made a comment, I can't remember who, Uh, Now I'm going backwards. I think it was Jimmy who said, uh, oh, no, it was Paul. The university does that to make more money. They get you to take those stupid classes to make more money. But this is not just a problem here. It's a problem in a lot of places. Maybe is it a systemic problem all over the place that they make the entry level tests so hard that they're forcing you to take the remedial courses? I don't know. Harold says the remedial classes are fine. Take advantage of them, except you have to pay for them. You've already paid for this K-12 through education. It should prepare you to go to college. That's the bottom line. It's amazing they call it common, it's so rare. Um, often the classes that are taken in high school promise to qualify as college credits do not once they get enrolled into college. Now it makes sense. Well, I will say that college is an industry, and uh, now that it's been propped up by uh, now that it's been propped up by the uh, government in so many ways, um, it's it's pretty crazy. Tyler Steele says Corey DeAngelis has been spearheading this. Yeah, we've talked, uh, we've had several conversations with Corey DeAngelis on the program. He is the he is the the champion of backpack funding, where the funding follows a student instead of uh, you know following the the seat, so to speak. Um. The money should fund the child. I will work two jobs to pay for private or homeschool before public, says uh, Tyler. Um, school systems are too busy paying unions instead of the spending money on kids. Um, okay. All right. All right. I uh, am all caught up now.
6: I'm all caught up. <clears throat>
3: Off of the classes, the thing says, do do the easy classes. It is what it is. Take advantage of what it is instead of what it should be. You know, that's the thing. We need to fight for what it should be. We need to fight for what it should be. Michael says, that's why they want free college now. They know that the system is set up to fail, so now they're trying to make it K through 14. (laughs) That's the thing. Graduation from Fairbanks District requires algebra one, but one hundred level math class at UAF is pre-calculus. That's two more classes in between that aren't addressed, algebra two and geometry. Yep. So how do they I mean, how do they get to that part if that's a thing? If you require these these classes to get through I mean, it's not a complete education then, right? I mean Right? OK, um, well, we're about a minute out now, just over a minute out. We've got uh, I think we've got a line on hold. Let me go over to the phones and say, yep, we've got a line on hold. So let's see who this is and we'll get uh, their name and where they're calling from and and come back to them. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
6: Uh, Jeremy and Katila.
3: All right, Jeremy, hold the uh, hold the line there, my friend. We'll be right. Uh, we'll be right back to you. And we'll see what you have to say. Uh, it seems to me even college, collage is dumbed down. <laughs> Paul, collage is dumbed down? Depends on what you make your collage out of. Are you? <laughs> do they still do the high school graduation qualifying exams in school? I don't know. I mean we do. Uh homeschoolers do. We, we we you know we have to. We have state testing and everything. It's part of the process. Um <clears throat> if you want the certificate, you don't have to send your kids to it. They don't have to get us they don't have to be, you know, but yeah, it still has to be done. Um all right, we are uh coming up. Um we're coming up on it. The Michael Duke show, Common Sense Radio, let's do it. Uh, one final segment of the show here. Uh, last one for the day. Still taking some phone calls. The phone lines are open at 433 3150. Love to hear from some new callers. Tell me I'm wrong. If you think I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, on everything we've been talking about thus far with education, um, let's uh, go back to the phones. Jeremy's in Kasilov. He wanted to say something this morning. Jeremy, what's on your mind?
6: Well, I. I, I think that uh, parents aren't taking the responsibility to teach their kids to read and write and do basic math by the time they enter kindergarten like like me. I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm a genius or anything, or I know how to fix everything or anything like that, but I mean, parents need to step up and start taking more responsibility for their kids and being able to send them to Bible camp, like at Port Ellsworth and places like that, because, I mean, they're basically not doing anything to teach their own kids. And so you can't blame it completely on the state. Or the school system. That's all I'm saying. Michael. Well,
3: and I think this is a part of the problem with these pre-K programs is that it, it basically disincentivizes the parents to take care of and, and and teach their children. Like you said, I mean, they should yes, be they should be teaching them some of the basic reading skills and things so that when they hit kindergarten, they already know their numbers and their letters, and they can move on from there. And
6: and both my parents worked full-time jobs the whole time i was growing up so i don't even want to hear that excuse about oh well we both gotta work two jobs or any stupid excuses like that is just nonsense to me and i'll let it go at that
3: yep all right jeremy well thank you for your call I appreciate you sounding off this morning. Let's go continue on here. Uh, 433-3150, the Pivotel call in line. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
1: Randy in Fairbanks.
3: Randy, what's on your mind?
1: Oh, just about tomorrow's borough assembly meeting. uh, One of the things they're going to be discussing is uh, proposed ordinance number 2022-21, and it's something to do with giving out federal money to essential workers, kind of going retroactively back. Um, I started talking to you just a little bit about it at, uh, at the gun show. I was mentioning it to you. In fact, I gave you that manila envelope, and it had a letter that I had sent to the borough assembly about a week ago about this. And um, first of all, uh, I'm not really coming out against this ordinance. In other words, they received a whole bunch of federal money to pass out for COVID relief, and I guess one of the provisions in there or was for essential workers and they're kind of getting around to doling out that money to them and I think I qualify for this I've been steadily employed for several years you know never affected by COVID anyway my point is I do not want this money at all Uh, you know other people might want it but in my letter I was suggesting that in this ordinance that they put a provision in where when the employer they're going to give the money to the employers and then the employers give it out to their essential workers and uh, uh... my little suggestion was that they should put in a provision that says they must uh... notify in advance the company that receives this money must notify in advance their employees that they got this money and that they're gonna th- they're thinking about giving it to the employees that are quote unquote essential workers or were essential workers and give them the option of bowing out of this because I would certainly not want to touch a cent of this money. And in my letter, I also mentioned, you know, how when they sent out the economic impact payments back in 2020 and continuing right. on in 2021, that I absolutely didn't take a cent of this money. You know, wouldn't want this money because it's very inappropriate. You know, it just kind of goes back to I think some things you were talking about in the first hour where the just federal government is showering all this money, which is causing this inflation. You got a thirty-trillion-dollar national debt, and they're just trying to dream up ways to just dump money by the wheelbarrow full into the into society. It just is going to ruin us. And so, um, anyway, that's what I wanted to call and tell you about.
3: All right. Well, thank you. So that's going on in the borough assembly tomorrow night at six p.m.
1: Yeah, it's uh, ordinance number twenty twenty two twenty one. Okay. And uh, and I just don't want to. I just don't want that. I think it's very inappropriate. If, if, now it could be that there's federal strings that say you got to use this money, of course, in certain ways. But if they had this extra money floating around, you know, they better—it would be better to use it to pay off uh, uh, deferred maintenance or something else, or right. send it back no. to the federal government and tell them to pay off the national debt.
3: I couldn't—I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> agree. So yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree right. with that more. I think the, the the deferred maintenance, especially in the Fairbanks area, should be a top priority for the borough. Assembly there but they just they're not feeling it Thank you Randy for your call Okay folks uh, we're running out the clock Here for the day and uh, You know look, I just <clears throat> I just Want to say this look we, we've got to Take a personal interest in the education of our Children and continuing To push for more of these pre-k Programs and things like that that don't Cost us anything that essentially turn into You know quasi babysitting programs And abdicating our responsibility to Teach our children is a problem is a problem and we should be addressing it. And the system that we have right now is obviously not working. It's fundamentally broken. It's just I mean it's just fundamentally flawed. And and we need to admit that. And until we can until we do until we admit that there's a problem, we're not going to be able to fix it. That's the bottom line. And I think that's what we've been fighting. I mean, I've been fighting this for 20 years. On this program talking about it talking about the problems and the issues and it's just it's just not getting better the answer is not just throwing more money at the problem the answer is admitting that there is a problem and fixing it from there but that's not a very popular position I got to say it's not a very popular popular position which is which is unfortunate to say the least I want to say thank you to uh, one of the sponsors on the program, the Bivy Stick, B-I-V-Y, Bivy Stick. Um, they. Uh, I got a chance over the weekend to uh, show the bivvy stick to a bunch of folks uh, out there in Fairbanks because I was carrying my bivvy stick with me uh, at the time. And I got a good chance to demonstrate it for folks. This thing is amazing. It's a tiny little device, about half the size of your cell phone, that turns your cell phone into a satellite communicator. You could send text messages. You can send emails. You can drop a pin, show your location. Uh, it's got maps in it. It's got weather forecast, aviation and marine and regular weather forecasts, and it gives you the opportunity to be in contact with those you love no matter what. It is an amazing piece of kit. For only $199, you can get one of these things. You've got plans that go as low as $14 a month. And no matter where you are or what you do, as long as you can see the sky, you can send messages, text messages, and your location to anybody that you know or love at any given time. So if you've got some kind of disaster, whether it's like the earthquakes of 2018 where the cell towers went down and the cellular congestion was so... So huge that you couldn't get through, you could always tell people where you are right here with this. Uh, Compared to their competitors, the cost of entry and the monthly fees and the more expanding features makes this the most attractive option on the market. You can get five days of continuous battery life. Um, this is, this thing is actually was, has been on since, um, since I was at the show on Sunday when I was showing it off. And this morning I opened, got got it out of my pocket and I pulled it out and realized that it was still on. I forgot. It was still, still sending, still talking. And, uh, that's the best thing. It's got little buttons on it that you can set to send a message to let people know you're okay. It's got a little check mark button right here that if you click it, it says, oh, I'm here and I'm okay and this is where I am. And then you can go down and at the bottom end of it, it's got the little red button that you could set to push to says, hey, I'm hurt and I need to come, I need somebody to come get me and here's where I am. This is an amazing little unit and everybody should have one in their emergency kit or in their car or their plane or their boat or their submarine or their unicycle or whatever it is that they're running. It is the bivy stick. You can find out more by going to satellitewest.com or you could check it out with one of the local dealers, including Arctic Fire and Safety in Fairbanks, South Central Radar on the Spit in Homer, Radar Alaska and Kodiak, Communications North in Seward, Lundy Marine Electronics in Dutch Harbor, and the Safe and Sound locations in Wasilla, Anchorage, or Soldatna. So thank you to Bivy Stick for sponsoring the program. Folks, we're out of time. We gotta go. We'll see you tomorrow. Hoping we might be able to get Mike Shower on. Still working on Nick Baggage 3rd We'll see where that leads us. Thanks for being part of it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. Be kind to one another. Love one another. And live well. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. All right. We got, uh, got, David says, pre-K is the only way to get more teachers in the teachers union. The Vanderbilt study showed how useless the pre-K program was. The control, the control group did better than the pre-K group. Alabama has the best pre-K program over the past uh, 13 years, and they are near the bottom for fourth grade reading. It's, I mean, right there, right there. Thank you for that info, David. Folks, we're out of time. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.